Church, I'm very excited to hear from one of our favorite friends. Uh, Sam Johnson has been the founder and the, the president of Priority One, who for 40 plus years has been building training centers around the world in over 50 countries to raise up church planters and pastors all around the world. In fact, this last week we were in Tanzania and I would say there's no country in the world that LifePoint has had more financial and missional impact or partnership with than Tanzania through Convoy of Hope, with feeding and women's empowerment, but also uh, with planting churches and building Bible colleges. And your generosity has helped this man change the world for the gospel of Jesus. I, I wanna be his age one day and look back and have a life that has been so useful to the kingdom of God. He's preached here before. He always just inspires and moves us tremendously. And you're gonna hear what God is doing through you and through him in partnership together, would we give a huge life point welcome to our good friend, Pastor Sam Johnson. Come on, everybody. Thank you, thank you, and good morning, everyone. Delighted to be back at this great church. I've traveled across America and around the world preaching now for a long time, and I don't know. I just, there's no church like LifePoint. You are so fortunate to be here, and they are so fortunate to have you here and to be with Pastor and Mrs. Burnett. Incredible people. I'm honored. Joyce is honored. Oh, Joyce, would you please stand this morning? This is my wife. We don't, we don't, we don't get the opportunity to travel together often. 62 years ago, I met, no, 63 years ago, I met her dressed in a yellow coat and her blue eyes attracted me. I went crazy, I melted just like butter. And 62 years ago, we got married, my last year in Bible school, and we've served together around the world ever since. And I'm honored to have her here today with me. Thank you, baby, for coming. We got saved four years ago when we moved from Minneapolis to Knoxville, Tennessee. God has rewarded us, and we are so honored to be in this great state and so close to Dolly at Dollywood. She, no, 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 no. We're just an hour away, and she calls off, and she says, could you please come for coffee? And I say, Dolly, look, I just, I am building Bible schools around the world, but I'll come once a year. So we go, as, we go once a year at least, and, uh, and I'm just kidding about all that. But it's, it, uh, it's great to be back with all of you. You see, the reason I'm here this morning is because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When I was with you several years ago, I shared with you my favorite verse. The verse has been the anchor of what we've done now for over 60 years. Mike said 40, that's okay. <laughs> and that verse is Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I talked to you then about the evidence of things not seen. This morning, I want to take you back to that verse because it means so very much to me, but I want to help you this morning understand in a better way with me what faith is. Because you see, God has given to every one of us the gift of faith. 
You have faith. I have faith. It's not because you were baptized in water at this church or because you came or because you gave in your offering. It's because of God has given to every one of us freely the gift of faith. So now let's understand this morning what faith is and how we can appropriate this faith for our lives. Because Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, without faith is it, imp it is impossible to please him. All of us want to please God. That's our objective, to please him. And so without faith, it is impossible to please him. So let's understand better this morning what faith is. The Living Bible, oh, I love this. The Living Bible says of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is a confident assurance that something we want. Now, I've got to pause right there because we've got a problem with this. You see, a lot of people don't really realize what it is that they want. They're wishing, they're hoping, but you have to understand that hope and faith don't sleep in the same beds. Hope is not a strategy, ladies and gentlemen. Faith, God has given to every one of us. So faith is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. There is healing for those of you who are sick. There is reconciliation for those of you who are experiencing difficulties. Hope gets us down the road, but faith meets us at the end of the road. For faith is a confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. What is faith? It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it ahead of us. It is the certainty. You don't have to, you don't have to live in, well, I wonder. No, 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 no. It is the certainty. It is the certainty of what we are believing God for. So what is faith? Write this down this morning if you'd like to. Faith is believing that God will do what he says in his word. He'll do it. Politicians don't, but he will. He'll do what he says in his word. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world today of people who make promises and the promises never materialize. But we serve a God this morning who always does what he says in his word. Faith is believing that God never lies, that God never lies. He's not running for office, ladies and gentlemen. He exists. He always was. He always will be. And he never lies. Faith is... Believing that God will say what, will do what he says in his word, and it is true. It is true. Faith is believing that God never lies. Never lies. What he says will come true. What is faith? Faith is putting our confidence in the personality of God. Oh, I love this. In the personality. Oh, he doesn't have very much of a... No, no, no. You don't have to worry about God. God's got to... And it never changes. He didn't get up this morning at 6 o'clock and, and you have to wonder, I wonder if God got up on the right side of the bed or not. No, 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 no. His personality never changes. Faith is putting our confidence in the personality of God. Not just his power, but his unchanging character. I know in whom I I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able and it never changes ladies and gentlemen what is faith Beck's translation tries to help us and this is what Beck says in his translation of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 faith is being sure the 20th century New Testament says of faith faith is the realization and then the New English Bible says, faith makes us certain of realities, certain of realities that we cannot see and then the Amplified amplifies it because that's the purpose of the amplification. Faith is the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their realities. Faith perceiving is real what is not revealed to the senses. You know in whom you have believed because God has given to you the gift of faith. And those 
items help us to understand this morning what faith is. Now, there are four things I want to share this with you this morning, the four things that I understand. I've traveled six million miles. I've lived 84 years. I've been married 62 years. You want to you wanna see me in the lobby this morning for a little marriage counseling? Let me just give it to you quickly. Just say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. End of session. <laughs> but I want to share with you four things that I know about the gift of faith. Number one, faith must always have a purpose. It must have an objective. It must have a goal. You can't just believe for nothing. You have to believe for something. What is it that drives you? What is your purpose? What is your objective? I want to see my neighbor come to Jesus Christ. I want to see my family come to Jesus Christ. I want to get a better job than I have. I want God to meet my needs. You might need to have a purpose and you feed your, you feed your objective with, you feed your faith with your objective. We must link our faith to the desired outcome. God taught us through the Apostle Paul, who said to the Philippian church in chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Oh, I love that. This one, deep, don't, you, no, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, there are, there are two days very important in your life. One is yesterday, which, never, which you can't do anything about, and tomorrow, which never comes. Two days. You can't do anything about it, ladies and gentlemen. So the Apostle Paul said, forgetting this one thing, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. You cannot go back and repeat. You cannot undo what happened. You can't, ret you can't retrieve that. Forgetting those things which are behind. I, I reached for the, for the prize of the goal of head of me, and, and, which, is, which is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This one thing I do, I think that that's great. There's great power in that, ladies and gentlemen. And so I, I want to share with you that faith must always have a purpose. It must have a goal. It must have an objective. Joyce and I, in 1966, said goodbye to a great church of thousands in the city of Wichita, Kansas. And we began to pursue what God had for us. We knew, ladies and gentlemen, at that time, as missionaries, the most effective way we felt to evangelize the world was to build training centers. This is what, this, this is what Jesus did. When he, after, you know, after 30 years living with mom and dad, his father was a master carpenter in Nazareth, where they were building condominiums and strip malls, apartment buildings. At the age of 30, Jesus began his ministry. So what did Jesus do? He called to himself disciples, and he formed the first Bible school. Think about that. They didn't have a resident campus, but wherever Jesus went, they went. He taught them from the prophets. He taught them how to pray. He taught them how to feed the thousands. He even taught them how to walk on water. It was an amazing thing. And Jesus, Jesus Christ gave us the example. That's the strategy that we believe that God would be pleased with if we would pursue that. So Joyce and I called to the country of Spain knew that they desperately needed a training center. And we went to help establish a Bible school. We had one objective, and that was to go. And so we, we had a six-month-old son at that time. There were no car seats, ladies and gentlemen. This is a modern-day phenomena. 
We just had a mattress in the back seat of the car. You're just, and he flopped over, you know, just, uh, uh, whoa, no, hang on. And so, so across America, we went, we said, we're going to build Bible schools and we're going to build a Bible school in Spain. We knew we had an objective. We had a purpose and God helped us to build that Bible school in Spain and subsequently in Portugal. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day for the night comes when no man can work. Faith must have an objective. Faith must have a purpose. And I want you to take a look this morning at a couple of things that we have done around the world for the cause of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's start in Portugal and let's go from there. Can't go there anymore. Oh, and we helped in the Ukraine establish this incredible seminary. It has not been hit yet by one of Putin's bombs. I believe that God has built a hedge around it for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Thousands have been trained in that seminary in Ukraine. Burkina Faso, we just dedicated the seminary there, West Africa, where there are 10,000 churches. Togo, southern, the seminary, the southern part of West Africa, Togo, Tanzania, where they're planting 30,000 new churches in the next 13 years. That's the academic center. And this is the auditorium that we built there, 5,000 people. Incredible, ladies and gentlemen, what God has helped us do because of a combined purpose. And this is what you helped us to do with your incredible offerings from the last time I was here. Help us build the seminary in Tanzania, the Central Bible College. Lake Victoria Bible School there. Then Ethiopia, I was just there a couple of weeks ago. Ethiopia, that Bible school has helped to train the leadership of Ethiopia. And today in Ethiopia, ladies and gentlemen, the Pentecostal church is alive and well. And there are millions of believers because of leadership training coming out of the Bible school in Ethiopia. Seminary in the Philippines. And then we built this incredible Bible school in Calcutta, India, the finest Bible school for North India that there exists today for his glory and for his praise. God has helped us. I was just there. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. We're building a brand new school in East India, never existed before for 500 churches that had no training facilities and that God is helping us. And then take a look at this in Nepal. In Nepal. Where today, ladies and gentlemen, there's one million believers in this country. Possible only because of trained leadership that's gone out and shared the good news of Jesus Christ in Nepal. And then in Myanmar, we helped to build not only the men's dormitory, but the women's dormitory in this country. Let me just stop right there. Let me just stop right there. This is all phenomenal stuff. This is great. But on February the 1st of last year, in the middle of the night, the military re-emerged that had given to the country democracy. 
They re-emerged and took control of the country one more time. They rounded up all of the democratically, leader, democratically elected leaders and put them in jail. Several have since been butchered. But I want to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, that the Bible school in Myanmar is alive and well. The students are coming by the hundreds to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Not intimidated, not intimidated by the outside forces in Myanmar. So we helped to build the women's dorm and the girls' dormitory there in Myanmar because of a divine purpose. And then in Cambodia, a fine school just outside of the city of Phnom Penh. Not only in Asia, but also, ladies and gentlemen, God has helped us to build around the world now in over 55 countries. And we give him thanks for all of that. Praise God. To God be the glory. Because, because of a divine purpose, because of an objective. This is what God calls to do. And this is what we've been faithful in doing. Because faith must have a purpose, a goal, an objective, a mission that drives you. And without that, we sit on the couch and we want reruns. I've seen Andy more times than I want to see Andy. I want to see something beyond that. I want to see God touch a world that's lost without Jesus Christ. And the best way I know to do that, ladies and gentlemen, is by establishing training centers around the world. Number two, number two, number two. Faith always risks something. Faith always risks something. Let me read for you this morning a passage of scripture. For a young man came to Jesus. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And when, and he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. He was very rich. This, don't, 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 confuse, don't confuse this with being very rich. No, 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 no. I love you. You're rich. I love you. I love you. No, no, no. This has, no, no, no. This has everything to do with risking. He was not willing to risk that which Jesus asked him to do. And faith always risks something. When we went to Portugal in 1974 to help build the Bible school, I confessed to you this morning, we were not fully aware of what we were facing. Portugal, for years, had been controlled by two dictators. 15% of the people only 15% of the people could read or write. It was a country that was in poverty, mentally, physically, many ways. And four months after we arrived in Portugal, there was a coup that happened in that country, and they overthrew the government. In the midst of all of that, we were able to buy 30 acres of land on the edge of the city of Lisbon in which we were going to build a Bible school. 
So we took possession of the land and we began to build. It was an old farm. I'm converting the cow barn. I'm converting the chicken sheds. I'm converting a, the, the, the barn that had fallen, the roof had fallen. It's going to be the boys' dorm. I'm converting all of this. And at midnight, in 1975, there was a knock on my door. I went to the door and I opened it a bit sleepily, I might add, and I faced the military. The man at the door with his rifle said to me, are you Mr. Johnson? I said, I am. Even at midnight, you know who you are. I said, I am. He said, come with me. I have a warrant for your arrest. Really? Yes. So I went back. I got dressed. Joyce said, who's at the door? I said, somebody wants to see the Bible school. I looked out in the Jeep. There in the Jeep was, were all the soldiers. I got in my car, and I followed them at the Bible school. We sat down in our converted cow barn that we'd been working on because they were looking for all the arms that I had hidden. Now, this is what they said. They said there are two windmills. What's there were? But I never could find the, the light on the top of the second windmill. They said, there was a, they said there was a light up there. And when the American planes would fly over, we would signal to them with the red light, and they would drop all the arms, and I'm going to have a counter-revolution. This is, this is, that's, that's what they said. So, so there's, I'm sitting in, because, because, because it's obviously I work for the CIA. And so I'm sitting, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there in the converted cow barn and the soldiers are looking and looking and looking and looking. An hour passed, two hours passed, three hours passed. And as it begins, the dawn begins to come. They came in and they said to the captain, Capitan, Capitan, no, no podemos encontrar nada. Can't find anything. No, because I had never hidden anything. No, no, no. And they, and they, then they, they, they let me go. They released me and let me go and went back home. And Joyce and I had a long discussion in the weeks that followed because the situation didn't get better, it got worse. Portugal was in a mess, ladies and gentlemen. The communists had taken over the country and they roamed through the streets and through the cities in a great uncertainty. And we sat down one day together and we said, honey, I said to her, honey, is it time for us to go back to America and to wait until this thing passes? And we prayed together and we held hands and we said, God has brought us here and the God that brought us here will keep us here all the time because we believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And faith always risks something. Faith always risks something. You don't, you just, no, 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 no. You just, and so we worked and we worked. We built dormitories. We built classrooms. We built dining halls. They loved to eat. We built a chapel for five, for five, for, for a couple of thousand people. We built and we built. And today, ladies and gentlemen, take a look at this Bible school in Portugal. Today in Portugal, listen, today in Portugal, the Assemblies of God is the largest Protestant denomination. There are thousands of places of worship. And Joyce and I were just there for one of the graduates. Graduations, I don't know, 45, 46, 47. You have these if you're having fun all of your life. And they had a graduation. And the man who met us was the general superintendent, now the pastor of the largest church in the city of Lisbon. He also pastors five other churches. For the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ is possible, ladies and gentlemen, because you are willing to risk something. Yeah, difficult. Yes, no, 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 I'm not, no, yes, difficult. But it always, you always risk something. And so Jesus said to this young man, 
Go and sell what you have. But he was unwilling to do that because he was very rich. Faith always risks something. Number three, faith confesses what it believes. Faith confesses what it believes. If you talk to people long enough, you find out exactly what they believe. But faith always, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able. That's what we believe here this morning, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we're coming back next Sunday in greater force than ever before. Because he's alive, he's well, he's the resurrected Christ. That's what we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only hope for this tired world today. And faith always confesses what it believes because confession always brings possession. Let me say that again. Faith always brings possession. For confession is agreeing with God, saying what God is saying. Confession is the only way for our faith to express itself. So the question this morning is, what are we confessing? I was preaching for a wonderful friend of mine, great church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Very successful pastor. He'd been there for a number of years. And on his 15th birthday, they gave the pastor, the church gave the pastor a beautiful brand new Cadillac. Wow. Just thought I might add. (laughs) On Saturday, he went shopping for his wife to the grocery store. He got pretty ambitious. He bought a couple of bags of groceries and at the checkout, the young man said, could I help you to your car, sir? Yes. So he took the groceries to the car, put them in the car, and he said, wow, look at this car. The pastor humbly said, yes, God's been very good to us, yes. Very humble, of course. And then the young man ran his hand down the side of the car. He said, wow, this is beautiful. And you know what? I got one just like it. Well, the pastor said, wow, this 19-year-old kid's been very successful. Wow, well, how do you like your Cadillac? Oh, I don't actually have it yet, but I'm confessing it. Now, listen to me this morning, ladies and gentlemen, listen closely. You can confess all you want to in America, and you can get a Cadillac. You can have a, you can have a Jeep with 15 wheels. You can have a Ford pickup that, that will run over a mountain. You can have it all. You can have it all, ladies and gentlemen, because we live in America today. But I've got a confession that's greater than a Cadillac. I've got a confession greater than a Jeep, with all due respect to all of you who have Jeeps this morning. I have a confession, and that confession is that Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ died but he arose again and he lives forever hallelujah and there's the message of the cross of Calvary so what are we confessing we are confessing today that the word of God is true we're confessing that Jesus Christ is our savior and that we're confessing that the Holy Spirit is for us today so the secret of confession is this know what Jesus did for us in Calvary know that Peter couldn't handle the agony any longer He had betrayed Jesus. Three times he betrayed him. His fellow colleague in this Bible school had already committed suicide. 
And Peter went looking for Jesus. Where had they put him? They put him in a borrowed tomb and they found him sitting outside of the borrowed tomb, alive and well. Jesus said, go and tell the others. I want to, I got something special for them. Peter knew where they were. He ran back and he got the other 10 disciples. He said, Jesus wants to come and meet with us. And they went and they met with Peter. They met with Jesus. And Jesus said, now here's the final assignment of our three-year curriculum. I've got to go to the Father and I'm going to tell him, what has happened? I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a gift from God. And if you go, I'll go. And as he was speaking, he was caught up from among them and disappeared into the air. And the angels came and they said, this same Jesus that you see me leaving is coming back. And I've got good news for you this morning at Life Point. He is coming back, ladies and gentlemen, as the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. They went to Jerusalem, borrowed a second floor apartment by the day, not knowing how long they're going to be there. And they, and they began to pray, and they prayed, and they prayed. And sitting as you are sitting this morning, 120 of them, they began to, to pray, seek God. And God swept across that room and impregnated all of them with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as an expression, they began to speak in a language they had never learned before. It was feast time in Jerusalem, and people gathered together, and they heard these people in this upper room making a lot of noise. And they began to grumble. Peter heard all of this and he stood up. Now a Pentecostal preacher, a Pentecostal preacher. And he began to preach and he preached and he preached and he preached and he preached. And when he got finished, 3,000 gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. And if you will come with me this morning, ladies and gentlemen, I'll put you in five or six jumbo jets, maybe 10. And I'll fly you around the world and I'll show you today 1 billion people who confess Jesus as their personal savior. Possible only because... Possible only because of the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave to the early church. Because they confessed they believed in God. That's what confession does. When we confess Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, empowered by the gift of the Holy Spirit, supernatural things happen and God blesses all that we do. And so the fourth test of our faith, number three, confessing. Fourth test of our faith is obedience. Obedience that we would obey God. For the greatest test, the perfect test of our faith is that we would obey him and love him. I've had the great privilege, ladies and gentlemen, of accepting many invitations to help build Bible schools around the world. One of them was in Cambodia. And when I went to Cambodia, I met a young man who was a missionary. And I said, Darth Lee, yes. I've heard about you. Yes. He's, I said, tell me your story. And this is what Darth told us. When he was seven years of age, living in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, the radio said, get out of the city. The Americans are coming and they're going to bomb the city in the smithereens. And we fled into the countryside with the family. Once we got to the countryside, the Khmer Rouge took us and separated us from our family. And they took me and put me in a camp of a thousand boys where they began to torture me. They strapped me to trees and whipped me and beat me and starved me. And then one morning I woke up and my captors had fled. The Vietnamese had come and overruled the Khmer Rouge and began to liberate the country. He said, I, I went into the village. I found my sister from whom I'd been separated. 
we begin to walk. We walked and we walked by night into Thailand. And there we were put in a UN camp. And from there, they put me on a plane and flew me to America, to St. Paul, Minnesota. And I landed in the home of an Assembly of God lady. Wow. She took me to church and I found that Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I said, that's a wonderful story. Yeah, and he said, I went to North Central Bible College. I met the only girl in Cambodia, from Cambodia in the Bible school. Of course, we got married. And then he said, my youth pastor, who had taken me to church, had now become the first missionary back into Cambodia because it had been liberated. And he called me, said, please, Darth, would you come to Cambodia and help me? And he said, I will never go back to Cambodia. After all that they did to me, after all of the beatings and imprisonment and the torture and the starvation, I will never go back. And the youth pastor said, would you give me just a week or two? And he relented and he said, I'll do it. And he went back to Cambodia because he obeyed God. I want you to see what happened next. Watch the screen. And so I went to Cambodia in 1992 after I fled that country as a child. And once I set foot in that country once again, the memories began to surface in my heart and in my mind. And, and I got to think about my mother, the mother whom I was separated at the age of seven years old by the Khmer Rouge. I had forgotten about her. And, and her memories began to surface in my mind. And I thought perhaps she was still alive. And so I began the search to look for my mother, and two weeks later we found her. And when I went to see my mother for the first time, word cannot describe it. And as we began to sit down, and she began to share her own story of suffering, of how she was tortured so many times, so many times how she didn't have enough food to eat, even up to the point when I was talking to her, my, my heart was just overwhelmed. The next day, my mother excused herself from talking to me and, and she went and cooked a little bit of rice and my mother did not have enough rice to eat. But on that particular day, she saved a little bit of rice, about a handful of rice, and she cooked that rice and, and she put in a little steel bowl that she had and my mother walked to meet the Buddhist monks, carry this, this rice in her hand. And as I watched from behind, when she got to the Buddhist monks that were standing in front of her, she bowed before the Buddhist monks three times. And then she got up and offered the rice to them. And in return, the monks said a quick chanting over her. And then they moved on and my mother walked back to me. And she put the rice bowl next to me and she sat down on that bamboo bed. And I look into her face and I said, Mother, why didn't you just eat the rice yourself? You didn't have enough rice to eat. And at that particular moment, she began to cry, to cry and with tears running down her face, she said, Son, I have known so much suffering in my life. I have no hope of living anymore. She said, I, I, I think I'm gonna die soon. And then she said, my only hope right now is I would give enough rice to the Buddhist monks that when I die and reincarnate again, I would not come back and live the same life I'm living today. 
And as I look into the face of my mother, here was a woman who lived through so much suffering. Yet the only hope that she had at that particular moment was a lie from the pit of hell. And on that particular night, as I forced myself to stay with her, as I lay on that bamboo bed, I could not sleep. All I could do was pray. And I prayed to God like I've never prayed before in my Christian life. And I asked God, and I said, Lord, please do something. Holy God, I don't know what, I don't know how, but please do something to help my mother. And as I was praying that, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that the entire country of Cambodia, every person was in that same condition as my mother. And so I cried even harder. I said, God, God, do something. And as I was crying that in my heart and through prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he said, Jesus Christ did it all. He did it all on the cross. And because of that, I can do something. I can give hope and salvation to my mother and the people of Cambodia. I did not want to hear that because that means that I have to go back to Cambodia. I spent three weeks in Cambodia and I came back to Minnesota and I tried it to forget. But the Holy Spirit won't let it go. In 1996, we went to Cambodia as missionaries. We have an opportunity to train people that would change the destiny of Cambodia. The Khmer Rouge wanted to change Cambodia. They failed because of their demonic and twisted ideas. But we can change the destiny of Cambodia today through the love of Jesus Christ. And that can only be accomplished through training the young people through our Bible school and through the different programs that we have in Cambodia today. Satan intended for evil in Cambodia, but God intended for good to accomplish his purpose for his kingdom. Because Darth Lee obeyed God. Today in Cambodia, hundreds have been trained. Thousands have been reached for the good news of Jesus Christ. Because God is calling you and me to determine our purpose, to risk when others will not, to confess to the world that Jesus Christ is a Savior, and above all, to obey Him. My question to you this morning is, what is God asking of you? And what are you believing God for? Let's pray. I thank you this morning, Lord Jesus, for this incredible opportunity I've had to come one more time to LifePoint. Thank you for Dr. and Mrs. Burnett. Thank you for their example, for their lives, and for their generosity. Thank you for what these people have helped us to do in various countries now around the world, building training centers. But Lord Jesus, beyond all of that, I pray that you would speak to each heart and each life, that we would follow you and obey you and serve you. If there's one here this morning, Lord Jesus, that needs to know you as their personal Savior, I pray that they would breathe the word, Jesus, come into my heart, become my Savior. 
Jesus' name I pray all of this. Amen.